This episode is brought to you by a brand new sponsor of the show, Picmonic. Picmonic is an audiovisual learning system with unforgettable stories and characters to help you remember everything you need to know for PT school and beyond. Used by over 1.5 million students all over the world, Picmonic is perfect for streamlining your studying in an efficient manner. Listeners of the show can use the promo code SNACKBREAK in all caps for a 20% discount, and first-time users can start today for free. Getting access to one learning objective and one Picmonic quiz per day, forever, at zero cost. Available on iOS, Android, and desktop. Once again, listeners of the show can use the promo code SNACKBREAK in all caps at checkout. Happy studying, and let's get right into the show. Get started here shortly. Hello and welcome to episode eight of Snack Break by OrthoSnacks. I'm your host, John Schaefer, and on this podcast, we interview physical therapists, fitness professionals, and health and wellness experts. So far, I've done a lot of interviews with physical therapists, and today I'm looking forward to crossing over more of the fitness side of things with today's guest. Um, he is a 2007 graduate of Connecticut College, where he played basketball as well as received two degrees, one in human development, one in economics. He's the co-founder of JTW Fit, and his upcoming project is the Harlem Kettlebell Club. And due to all his efforts within the fitness industry, he was actually named the 2020 Men's Health Next Top Trainer. Congratulations once again. He is Ja Washington. How's it going, Ja? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. Going well. Uh, Low-key day yeah. with the holidays coming up, so I'm glad to be off and just kind of relaxing. So nice to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like once you're kind of in the fitness industry and doing a lot of training, there isn't not there isn't necessarily a whole lot of downtime. I mean, you even said you got classes tomorrow. Yeah, definitely, man. It's it's hard to find some balance, and balance has been like one of the main focus points for myself. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, is figuring out how to do everything, but also find some some space to kind of take a break. But tomorrow's class, I'm always excited for. I think it's going to be really fun. Um, everyone gets up. They have a lot of energy. And they put in some work before they go and have fun and drink and eat with the family. So, Yeah, that's cool. awesome. Um, I think where I'd like to kind of start a discussion today is just talking a little bit about your fitness journey. I mean, if, you, if anyone just go across your page, they see this guy who's absolutely killing it with the weights, doing complex moves, um, and really getting after it. So has it always mm -hmm. been a situation where you've really been passionate about your fitness? I mean, I know you um you played college basketball so i'm sure there was a lot of weight training and things like that then but i mean has this always been a passion of yours uh, i would say i've always been known growing up i was always known as one of the, the kids that was in better shape um i would say mm -hmm. i was pretty I, I was pretty much this size for for a long time i never really got any taller but i was always mm -hmm. kind of you know wide and stocky when i played sports so you know always known around in around the neighborhood as somebody that was in shape or fit or strong you know those little buzzwords um, you know, and then obviously with, with playing sports, you know, we did the bare minimum. I, you know, I didn't have access to half of the things that I can use now in terms of training, but I did a lot of push-ups and squats and, and I just played a lot of basketball. So I stayed in shape that way. And, you know, fast forward to college, our strength program, you know, I love the school, but our strength program wasn't, it wasn't that great either. You know, we, we again, like I did the bare minimum and really had to get creative in terms of our training. So um, you know, fast forward and now, you know, I wish I had all these tools back then. I'd probably be, you know, way more of a machine, <laughs> you know, in, in the weight world <laughs> than I have now. So 
But, uh, you know, just always want to keep in shape, you know, always love, you know, how I look and want to be aesthetically pleasing and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So then I guess following graduation, what were kind of your initial thoughts? Did you ever think that maybe you'd get involved in fitness for a living? Not at all. I mean, my whole college career, I, I was, you know, I wanted to be an educator. I wanted to be a teacher. Um, you know, my entire life as a child, I wanted to be an architect. You know, everything, you know, you know okay. time goes on, your ideas, everything just starts to change. I just start to figure out who you are. And, you know, but I did know that whatever I did, I wanted to be in my community supporting and helping people. Um, initially, I, I got into finance because I wanted to make a bunch of money and then mm -hmm. be able to do a lot of the work that I wanted to do. Um, and I just was bored with finance and it just wasn't fun. I wasn't having a great time with it. You know, while I was learning and making decent money, you know, it just wasn't it wasn't motivating me and uplifting me in the way that I wanted to. Um, and I kind of fell into training just because I got out of shape. You know, I was, you know, used to being in shape and used to playing a lot of sports. And when I got this nine to five and I'm sitting at a desk all day, things started mm -hmm. to slow down, you know, uh, nutrition or eating choices um, weren't as great. And so I found myself figuring out how to get back into shape, how to get into a routine and really going through a lot of the things that I see clients go through is, you know, wanting to, the fast results, you know, not wanting to uh, put the fork down or make better choices, really trying to figure out the easy way out. Um, so that's kind of where I started to resonate with my clients now. And I'm able to talk to them in a way that gets them motivated because I can say that I've actually been not in the exact predicament, but in that sort of sp headspace where I was mm -hmm. challenged and couldn't figure out how to, you know, get to that next phase. Yeah, that's awesome. So it sounds like a lot of the experiences you had yourself have kind of, I guess, shown you what it takes to get to that next level and things like that, um, just in terms of your health, I guess. Um, so one of the things I'm wondering a little bit about is so then you transition to getting more involved in the community. You open um, you open Harlem Hit because you want to get involved again in the community, create more opportunities for people. How do you kind of pair the business side of things with um, providing affordable health opportunities and things like that. So making sure that it is still a profitable company and things like that, but you are still having the reach and providing as many opportunities as you'd like. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, so, you know, I, I looked at it. So let me just rewind. You know, when I, when I first started training, we were in Riverbank state park. So my mm -hmm. classes were already, you know, five and 10 bucks because I didn't know any better. And I was also just trying to learn and, and me and my partner were trying to get people in front of us. So we wanted mm -hmm. it to be affordable, one, because we could we could reach more people and 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 and, and be effective in that manner. Um, we got to Harlem Hit, you know, we collaborated with the physical therapy of Harlem and they, you know, in the same breath wanted to do something that was community based, community oriented. Mm -hmm. And the approach we took, I hate to use a planet fitness, but I think like a planet fitness model of some sort mm -hmm. is where things are less expensive, more people might take advantage of it. And so us knowing that the quality of service that we would offer, what we were trying to bring to the community would be, you know, a huge plus, and we would be very intentional about what we were doing and making sure that it was quality, that, you know, the people would know mm -hmm. that they were getting, um, that the price was, was low intentionally. They would know that it's, it's worth more than what we're actually, um, um, you know, what, what we're providing. And so, if we ended up having to raise the price or do things a little bit differently, we've already got their attention. They, they're focused. They're locked in. They, they know that they, mm -hmm. um, we have their intentions in mind. And so 
they're going to kind of shift and transition with us, you know, if and when we, we needed to make those changes. But I think the biggest thing is just getting people in front of you. And, you know, whether the price is $1 or $20, they're mm -hmm. not really looking at that. They're looking at how you're making them feel. Does it work? You know, do they feel comfortable? Is it a space where they can be confident? Um, are they meeting people and being able to network? And just you really want to make sure that they're having a, a great time and obviously not getting hurt, which is the most important part. And once you have those things in line, you know, again, you can play around with price and people don't tend to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you work a little bit with the physical therapy in the area. So I guess I'm kind of curious what that relationship looked like. I know a lot of my audience um, is probably interested mm -hmm. in kind of the relationships between more strength coaches um, working with rehab, kind of what that looks like. Yeah, so I mean, so I think they, so physical therapy problem, they had an extra space that they weren't using. They initially were doing pediatric PT, um, you know, but I don't know the whole story, but I think that, that's, that particular service fell through. So they just had an additional space. Uh, we were doing a lot of outdoor training, which left us, you know, with nowhere to go once the weather got cold, you know, like winter time mm -hmm. now. And so we decided to kind of come together and say, hey, you know, let's use this space in a more efficient way. You guys have physical therapy clients that are potentially looking to, you know, get back into training. We're going to have mm -hmm. clients who are going to be coming in pretty new to working out. And so they're probably going to be dealing with sort of injuries and things like that. So we can kind of bounce people back and forth between each other. Um, again, still do something that's very community oriented and obviously be able to make a bit of money at the same time. So, I, you know, mm -hmm. I learned a lot. My partner learned a lot just from being able to see how they operate with clients talk about injuries to different, you know, shoulders and hips and ankles. And it, what it taught us was how to be more, uh, be, just be better coaches, finding re regressions mm -hmm. and progressions. And just, again, making sure that we're allowing people to kind of enter the space and be able to train efficiently, feel comfortable, um, and know that they're not going to be back in physical therapy in the next yep. two weeks. Yeah, I think that, I think that's great. And I think that, um, it's just especially important that kind of the two disciplines work together because they can provide care across the, across the whole continuum from getting started to train, coming across any injuries and things like that, just making sure that you're continuing to kind of progress in your journey of health. Um, so I guess what I want, want to talk about a little bit next is just kind of starting up uh, Harlem Hit, what that looked like with the first studio, maybe some of the challenges you face and really what that journey was like just getting into the space initially yeah so harlem hit was i mean it, it was it was a lot of fun i tell you that um just building that out was was a lot of fun it took a lot of you know time and energy and head down and just really trying to figure out how do we get people to believe in us um mm -hmm. outside of the price right the price is the one thing that gets you there but then what are all the other things that you do to keep people and so that's where the community engagement comes in that's where knowing every every uh, client's name, you know, maybe knowing their social media handle, knowing um, their injuries, you know, knowing things that they have going on outside of fitness, just really getting to know the people that are going to be around you, the people that are going to be, you know, you're going to be servicing. And obviously the people who are going to be supporting you by paying you to be there. So I think that's one of the huge things is, is just building a community. And so once we were able to establish that, you know, the work was pretty much done. Every time that one client came in, they had a great session, they told one person and that one person mm -hmm. told one person. And then it went from having, you know, five people in a class to having a wait list every single day for every class. And, you know, that's something that like I, I found to be really important. It's something I think, you know, I, I, I put in a lot of hard work, but I think we definitely were blessed to have people that, you know, really believe in us, 
and wanted to see this through and wanted to support us um, as and, and, and allowed us to make mistakes at the same time because they knew we were just mm-hmm. figuring it out and it was something new. Um, the second part of it was that we, were, we were operating out of a physical therapy office. So, you know, it didn't necessarily look the part. No, it was we had a red carpet. We had closets that had like a lot of physical therapy tools, you know, storage. There was a front desk area. So the space, you know, if you walk by it, you'd be like, absolutely not. I'm not training here because you're so used to what things look like, you know, Midtown East and in Uptown and, you know, in, in, in Upper West Side when you go to those boutique gyms. So we had to do like mm-hmm. a, a bit of a revamp in the space, try to make it look a little more presentable with like a rubber floor, grab, you know, me and my partner didn't have a lot of money. So we had about eight kettlebells, a couple of med balls, some dumbbells and some mm-hmm. resistance bands. And we just, we just made it happen. We had fun with it. Um, and again, we just made sure that we were very confident in everything that we were programming and putting together. Um, and, and then asking for a lot of feedback, you know, what did you like about this? What didn't you like anything we can do better? Um, you know, and then just asking people to just refer and just bring people into the space mm-hmm. and allow them to, you know, take a class and then see what they feel for themselves. Yeah. And you talk a lot about just developing those relationships to lay the groundwork for everything moving forward. I'd imagine it'd be a little bit challenging if you're having group classes. So are you, I mean, are you sitting down with every client before they start the group classes or do you just more building the relationships starting with that first session? Yeah. So what I would typically do is if I, so, you know, we use mind body and every time a new person booked a class, they get like a green star next to their name. So what I would Mm -hmm. do is, and every time I saw that green star, I would just send them a message, you know, hey, you know, this is John. Nice to meet you. Thanks for signing up. Any questions, any comments, any injuries, you know, let's say if you need to get on the phone, we can talk really quickly for class and then just try to give them like what the expectations of the class are. Mm-hmm. Maybe give them a rundown just in case they don't know what they signed up for, you know, and then that alone was is, 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 a, is a lot. They're like, oh, you know, this person actually thought to reach out to me. So when they came to the class, that nervousness that they were probably going to have, mm-hmm. they have less of it or none because there was an interaction beforehand, you know, and you can kind of give them a video of something. Hey, here's a class from social media. This is what the class is going to look like. So you kind of prepare them mentally to come into the space and just have more fun and, and relax versus them coming in really timid and like, you know, oh, I hope I don't die today. You know, you know how it can be for, for group fitness class. Yeah. Um, and then once they get there, you know, I would do an introduction like, hey, everybody, you know, we have such and such here. She's new or he's new. Make sure you show him some love the way we normally do. Uh-huh. And those little those little icebreakers just, you know, it means the world. And again, th- those are the ways that you build a community. Everyone knows each other by name and and it becomes more of a support group. You know, you're not going to just work out. You, it's going to mm-hmm. you're going to have fun with your friends and exercise at the same time. That's awesome. And that's something I feel like you don't really think about until you're right in the middle of it. All that comes to mind for me, uh, I did I did a hot yoga class once and I've done other group fitness a few times, but every time I walked in, it was just like, oh, here we go. No sense yep. of community or anything. Um, yeah. so I guess being in that environment, that'd be something where I'd look forward to going to. And again, just having that community is, that's pretty cool. Right. Pro- and that's something I've learned from taking, that's something I learned from taking classes as well. Just you know, I don't want to be a number, you know, I want, I want to vibe with people and I want to be able to feed off each other's energy. Um, that's the whole point of being in a group setting. You know, if I wanted mm-hmm. to work out by myself, I would just go to the gym alone and, and isolate. But, you know, if I'm, I'm looking to be around people and motivate and be motivated. You know, it's nice to welcome people into a space and have them feel like they, they belong there and they would want to come back and maybe bring friends, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So what do your what do your workouts look like now? Are you working out with your clients typically or I see I've seen you um do a lot on Zoom too. So I'm kind of wondering what the balance with that is. Yeah, so we ended up having the so post Harlem hit, we ended up opening JCW Fit. That was uh, my first uh, boutique fitness studio um mm-hmm. right in Harlem uh a couple blocks away from where I grew up. Uh, so we had some issues, landlord things we don't have to jump in today, but we ended up having to close that space and we pivoted the same way the entire fitness world did and, and went virtual about a week later. Uh, that virtual mm-hmm. program did really well. I mean, I ended up building it out. We had about 21 classes a week, everything oh, wow. from training, kettlebells, we did mobility, we had Pilates, we had dance fitness, we had yoga. So we basically made a one-stop shop for all of our members and anyone else that was looking for things online to do. Um, to be able to kind of take advantage of. And we also mm-hmm. made that really affordable as well with $10 per class, or you can do $40 um, for the week as an unlimited. So again, mm-hmm. getting more people in the door, getting more people to, to see what we're doing, giving them an opportunity to train with us, you know, and not have to break the bank, especially during this time in the pandemic where no one really knew what was going on. People losing mm-hmm. jobs, you know, no one wanted, I, I from personally, I don't want people to have to prioritize their health over whether they can eat or not. I think both of those mm-hmm. things go together and you should be able to move and stay active, especially when you're told you need to be home, you know, and, and, and you know, just kind of hanging out until this whole COVID thing blows over. But uh, yeah. yeah, virtual virtual went really well. Um, and so now I'm still doing virtual training. We still have about 15 classes a week. Some of the classes have kind of pulled back because people are, they want to be back outside. Some people are back at work. Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of that going on. And we're doing some in-person things. So over the summer, a lot of outdoor classes, um, you know, some kettlebell class. We had some hit classes, uh, some boxing stuff. So just, again, getting people up and moving and just trying to have a little bit of variety so that people who aren't, weren't comfortable coming back outside could still train from home. And anyone who was vaccinated or really felt comfortable, just wanted to be in person, we could offer that as well. Okay. That's awesome. So with the variety of your programs, I mean, you're talking about working with everyone from dancers to boxers. What's kind of your process in designing some of these programs? So, I mean, I look at, so my thing, I think something that I'm known for is Mm -hmm. simplicity. And I, and I, what I mean, it's not that it's super basic, but I like to pick movements that most Mm -hmm. people, I can get them to do pretty quickly. Right. And then from there, we can start to progress. Because what I, in my mindset, when I, when I think about a, a class, I don't think about programming for the most, the person that's in the most shape, but I think I mm. want to pick movements where everyone should, everyone should leave the studio looking the same. If the intensity is there, if the energy is there, if the effort is there, if you're in, if you're in elite shape and you're giving 100%, that's going to be the equivalent of someone who is new and giving 100%. So that's the thing where, you know, we can't teach effort, but I can give you all of these tools. So I, I kind of program with simple movements. And then what I'll do is kind of from there, advance something and say, hey, you know, you've been coming here for eight weeks. Hey, you might do a dumbbell thruster. You might just do a squat and we'll superset that with the press. This is something like along those lines. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's just something like we're all hitting the same muscle groups, but for example, I might back squat with a bar and you just, you're just starting out. Maybe you're doing dumbbell goblet squats. But at the end of the day, in that program, we're all squatting, we're all pushing, we're all pulling, we're all hinging, mm-hmm. we're all going through our big six and, and, the, and the session still moves. And I can kind of figure out who's progressing where and then the next session, okay, you can slide into this group because you've been here long enough and you look, you look like you're ready. 
Okay. Yeah. I think that that's what probably be one of the main challenges for people doing group fitness. I've got some experience doing more one-on-one training. So I think it's, I think it's cool to have that mindset though. If you're working with a large group, if you see people changing, um, kind of progress or regress and kind of like you said, make sure. Yeah. It's hard. You get get 20 20 people in there too. It's it's definitely hard when you have 20 people, 15 people. Um, but you know, you start off, you start off pretty slow and you know, you start to kind of see how people, some people come in and they, you know, they're coming from different studios and they'll let mm-hmm. that be known ahead of time. So you can kind of, all right, you guys will be here. You'll be there. It takes a second, but once it's rolling, you know, when I see the roster, I know exactly who's coming and I can start to kind of plan out ahead of time. So that's, that's the advantage you have there. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who's looking to get involved in the fitness industry and maybe is coming from a different background, um, mm-hmm. such, such as you came from with, you know, finance, human development. Um, what, what advice would you have for them as they kind of get started in their journey? I would say, um, so kind of, I would say first is one, don't, don't get overwhelmed. I think take your time, mm-hmm. you know, figure out what you're looking for out of this, you know, what's, what's, so who's your, your the client or who you truly want to work with is a big thing. Cause what I noticed is that I see a lot of people that's running out and getting a ton of different certs. And they got a thousand different letters, but they don't, they're not using all of it. It's just, mm-hmm. I have all these certifications. And so I look like I'm a really good test taker, but what does that mean? You know, who am I using these things with? So what I thought about for myself is, okay, you know, I want a personal train. I like general population. I want to impact people who um, don't necessarily train, don't aren't athletes. And they mm-hmm. really want to get in shape. Um, particularly it started out with most people that were trying to lose a lot of weight. But now it's kind of it's become a blend of you know weight loss and strength training as well. But knowing your lane, knowing who you are as a coach, the type of coach you want to be, and really just start figuring out your certifications and qualifications based on that versus having any and everything. Um, so a mm-hmm. prime example for me is um, I got a personal training cert because I'm like okay I, I need to get I just want to get rolling and then be able to have some sort of knowledge base and have something you know to secure mm-hmm. that like hey I did take this test and I took the time to learn. And then from there, 99% of my clients um, are women, not intentionally, but that's just, it's just, it's just how group fitness typically works. Women mm-hmm. tend to take more instruction. Guys have a little bit of an ego. So women will come in and take classes. So I went out and got my pre-postnatal certification. And the intention was to make sure that if I'm going to be in the, you know, be responsible for these women when they need sessions, if and when they do get pregnant or postpartum, I've had you for so long. I know your exercise history. I can continue to support you throughout that whole process, right? And so that's just me wanting to just be an extension of that. And also, you know, if you're thinking business-wise, you know, I don't lose clients. I can, you know, I can support mm-hmm. you the entire time. You're not going to look for another coach who can help you while you're pregnant or afterwards. You know, I'm right here. And so and those are like, those are, that's the kind of the example I would use. So just remember, stay in that lane and then figure out what other things you like to do. So I love kettlebells. So I went and got two kettlebell certs. I like Olympic weightlifting. So I got an Olympic weightlifting cert, but I didn't go get like, you know, I don't know, like a diet, a dietitian, you know, something mm-hmm. along those lines, because that's not my expertise. I'd rather, I'd rather send someone to someone more knowledgeable in that space and have us collaborate and work together versus me trying to do it all. Yeah, it seems like everything you do is very intentional. So that, that's, that's admirable quality for sure. Um, that's a good transition, though. So you mentioned you love kettlebells and you're starting the Harlem Kettlebell Club. So, I mean, walk me through a little bit. When did this uh, love the kettlebell first start? Uh, so this, I always tell this story, but it was, 
pretty much an accident. I mean, I went to the gym one day, literally just a crowded day in the gym, barbells mm-hmm. taken, you know, dumbbells taken, everything was gone. Um, no one touched the kettlebells. We had, a, you know, not a lot of them, but a full rack. And I wanted to get a workout in. I didn't feel like waiting. I was already exhausted, you know, late 6 p.m. coming from work. And so I grabbed the, the kettlebells and just started messing around with them. And I did very basic stuff, squatting and rowing and pressing, anything you would do with some dumbbells. Um, but I got intrigued by them. And I was like, well, you know, in the event that I come back in here again, and this is the issue, I, I would like to be a little more versatile. So I just started watching mm-hmm. videos um, and just, you know, self-taught really for the most part. And then... I took my, I was like, well, you know what? I'm, we only had kettlebells at Harlem Hit. And I was like, well, I wanted to do something a little more advanced. Like everyone was kind of getting a lot stronger. So the only way to progress it was to have some more advanced movements or techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went to, I went to kettlebell athletics with Jason C. Brown. Uh, we learned to swing. We learned some cleans. So I added those to, to the repertoire. Went back to the uh, gym, practiced with those started include, including those in the uh, in my programming. And then during the pandemic, I had plenty of time on my hands. I took Kettlebell King's um, certification with Marcus Martinez. And that's what got me really into the kettlebells because I started learning um, just how to move in different planes of motion, a lot of rotational work, getting out of the sagittal plane. And it made me feel more like my athletic days, like playing basketball, mm-hmm. um, you know, having reactive drills. And so I, that's when I really fell in love with them. And again, I started to teach kettlebells virtually. And then that was like when, that was when it was a game changer. And, you know, everyone started signing up. Class started taking off. People were buying kettlebells just so they can take the class. Uh, we ended up renting our, our kettlebells from the studio to all of mm-hmm. our members so that they can have stuff in their hands on, in the virtual sessions. And I started posting stuff. And then I started getting tagged on stuff and reposted. And all of a sudden, like, you know, now I'm part of this like huge kettlebell community where we kind of share workouts and complexes with each other. And it's been fun. I mean, I've gotten really strong with them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm confident with them. And, you know, I've, I've held my own at some of these kettlebell events where we got some really people from RKC and strong first and all these big time certs. And like I did pretty well not having any of those certifications. So it made me, um, you know, really want to continue with it and, you know, open the studio so that more people can learn about the modality and, also learn that you don't have to necessarily use a barbell or dumbbell to get in really good shape. There's this other thing out here that's amazing um, when you have a, a good instructor in front of you. Yeah, because I guess I kind of run into the same thing. I feel like every time I go to the gym, the kettlebells are just sitting there. Uh, do you think it's because not enough people have exposure to how to use them? Or they, I mean, what what's your thought in terms of why they aren't utilized more? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think intimidation is a big thing. You know, you walk in, you see this this round base with this arc, this hoop, and you're just like, I don't know what, what this is. How does it even work? It's not a dumbbell. Most people are used to dumbbells. They're used to hand weights, right? So you come and you see something you're not, you're not accustomed to. The first thing is like, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Me, I'm like, I'm curious. So I was like, yeah, let me go over here and see what's up. It can't be that bad, right? You just pick it up and move it. It's a weight. I'll figure something out. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that the intimidation factor and also when you're getting into those more complex movements, it does get tricky. Technique becomes a really big thing and you can injure yourself, you know, with any tool, but you can definitely injure yourself if you're not prepared or have the right mechanics. So I think that's mm-hmm. why they're usually um, ready available. And also I see a lot of people that are using them and they are butchering a lot of movements, um, you know, and it's nothing against them. They just, you know, it's just the thing. If you don't practice them and you don't spend a lot of time on them, 
or you don't see videos and have a lot of repetitions, you're more than likely going to be doing something wrong. So, mm -hmm. I'm sure with uh, all the work you're doing, they're only going to grow in popularity. So maybe next time I go to the gym, a few less on the shelf. Yeah, um, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> but the next thing I want to talk about is uh, – your, your nomination and being awarded the 2020 Men's Health Next Top Trainer. Uh, what did that actually look like for, for those who aren't familiar um, with what this distinction is? Yeah, so Men's Health Magazine had a Next Top Trainer challenge in uh, late 2020. Uh, pretty much a friend of mine uh, sent, me the, sent me an email about the audition that was coming up. I, you know, I filled out the form. I wrote some answers in. They called me mm -hmm. back. So they enjoyed the answers. They had taken a look at my social media. They liked how I moved. They liked the versatility, things that I was doing. Um, and they mm -hmm. wanted me to do the video audition. So I did the video audition, about 10 questions, uh, sent those in. And they wrote me back about two, three months later, I think it was, and saying like, hey, you know, we, we picked you. We really liked everything you had to say. We liked your camera presence. Uh, we start shooting next week. <laughs> you know, so uh, it was basically a reality show, uh, myself mm -hmm. versus seven other trainers, in a number of different, uh, it could be a fitness competition, knowledge-based questions. Um, we got the chance to train some celebrities and we had like mock things where like they had a shoulder injury and you had to train around the injury. It's just like things to kind of oh, test wow. to see how you were on camera in the hot seat. Can you explain things really well? Um, yeah. You have some sort of knowledge base with like science. And, you know, can you, can you really talk to various audiences and get everybody to kind of buy into what you were saying. So a lot of fun. Um, probably one of the most rewarding things um, during the pandemic, because obviously things were just moving really slow and we had closed the gym. And so I was in like a little bit of a depressed and I was in a funk, um, but it gave mm -hmm. me something to work towards. It gave me something to work hard on to really apply myself on and to, to, to win it all was like, it was a big deal, uh, big yeah. deal for me, uh, big deal for my community, big deal for my, my, my members, uh, big deal for Harlem. I, you know, I don't know anybody. I don't mm. think there's, there's been anybody else from Men's Health Magazine or from Harlem that was in Men's Health Magazine. So I got to represent in a lot of ways, my family as well. And so it was, it was super important to win it. But also the main thing outside of winning, that was, wasn't even the most important thing. For me, it was showing people that, you know, you could bounce back. And like whenever something does, you know, when you have that this negative thing that happens, something else is on the way. As long as you keep that energy, you keep, you know, you keep your intention set and you just work. You know, I think, you know, most people, they get into a funk and, and they kind of, you know, start to point fingers. And I, I'm a next play type of person. I've always been that way, especially, as a, especially as, a, as a college point guard. You know, mm -hmm. my job is not to get rattled. If there's a turnover, we get back up the court. And so I use a lot of those skills and things that I learned in my life with myself and also with my clients. Like, you know, hey, you had a bad week with eating. All right, tomorrow's the next day. Let's get to, let's get let's get back to a salad, you know, get some water and let's just forget about it and keep going because you're gonna have more days like that and they're gonna mm -hmm. come and they consistently come. So um yeah, but it was it was it was fun. A lot of energy, a lot of effort, man. Um I've had so many people reach out to me about how proud they were and it just made, made me feel really good. You know, I'm not one that usually smiling a lot all the time. So you know, that was one day where I was like all smiles and really happy um, and I, that I could share that with a bunch of people. Yeah, it's amazing. Congratulations again. Um, so how has how's everything changed since? Do you feel like you've gotten a big uptick in clients or are you just continuing to do the same things? And um, I think so uptick in clients. I mean, I think we've 
I mean, I, I have I have a bunch of PT clients now, so I'm doing a lot more one on one training. Obviously, with the studio closed, that that whole situation, you know, once we reopen the gym and we will back into that space, that'll have that dynamic will be back, and that's always been a lot of fun and big energy. But I I think you know, obviously, my social media following has gone up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big, I'm not I'm not so caught up on followers and things like that. But it does, my audience is bigger, so when I am doing mm-hmm. something that I find important. There are, are more people that I can reach out to and try to connect with. So I do enjoy social media for that uh, versus the number that's there. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that it's given me the opportunity to network with a lot of people. I've met a ton of people since, you know, 2019, since late or early 2020, rather. I've been going to a lot more events and being able to take classes, meet other fitness professionals, and really, you know, gain knowledge that way. You know, I'm not somebody I hate sitting down and reading books and like just mm-hmm. being like, I'm not that type of nerd. I'm a visual learner. I like to be in the space and doing. So being able to take classes and, and be around people and, and hear them and kind of be a sponge in that way, that's what's helped me to grow as a coach. Um, and then help, obviously I can support my members a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I guess one of the things that I would see as a challenge if I were in your position is just being able to manage all these clients and making sure they're from like, I guess, how, do you have any recommendations for, I guess, how you keep up that energy and are able to be present for all these clients? You I mean, you're saying you're, at one point you're doing 20, 21 sessions a week. That just seems, yeah. seems like a lot. Do you have any strategies or advice for how to not get burnt yeah. out? So I can tell you I've been burnt out and mm-hmm. it's not fun. You know, in the fitness space, and someone like me, I, I think I'm always on, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if I promise you something, if I'm committed to something with you, like I need to be there, I need to be present. I need to give you a 100%, you know, 200%. And that's a lot, you know, even if it's, mm-hmm. even if it's something that's positive and it's good things going on, it's a lot of energy. It's definitely draining, even if you are having a great time with it and, and it, it can take a toll on you. And I think that, what I didn't do before was find any sort of balance at all. Like I was just go, 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 no time to think. And so I found myself really like working inside my business and not on the business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 2020, when I got to be home and take a step back, it allowed me to look at a lot of things, a lot of processes, stuff that I, I enjoyed that I wanted to keep. And then things that like, I'm like, this is actually God awful. We need to scrap mm-hmm. this. I need to pull up back on this. I can't be giving you know, I can't, I can't teach 20 sessions a week anymore. It's just, it's not healthy. Um, and so what I did was I, I learned to hire some help and bring on and get a team and, and get some people to help me, whether it be admin stuff to teach some classes, things like that. Um, and then therapy has been like a blessing. I bring that up a lot mm. because I think it's something that, you know, black men, but then men in general don't necessarily do or talk about going to therapy was a huge um, support. It was a huge uplift. It allowed me to kind of get in touch with my feelings, be a little more expressive. And I started managing my time, my energy, like a thousand times better than I ever have. And so right now, although I'm working hard and still putting in a good amount of time, uh, I don't feel as, as beat up. I don't feel as exhausted. And I'm able to give a lot more energy to more people because I feel like I've given myself the proper um, care and support first. Yeah, I like I like a lot of what you <clears throat> had to say for that. Cause, I mean, if if you can't be there for yourself, you can't be there for others. So that that is great. Um, Ja, I have five questions that I ask all my guests. Are you up for answering them? 
Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. First question I have for you is, what is your biggest key to a successful day? Key to a successful day? Uh, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so I, I got to have everything booked out, planned out. You know, things tend to go wrong, but I think if you have it on your calendar and you have a structure to your day, things typically will happen for you and you have a lot more success rather than kind of winging it um, all the time. So definitely mm -hmm. um, schedule out and then um, consistency, just making sure that you're, you know, always, if you mean what you say, you say what you mean, get your stuff done um, and, you know, not putting things off. So with the calendar, are you more of a to-do list guy or more of block out by the hour or what's your approach? Uh, both. So I have the calendar for scheduling like appointments and then I have my vision board where I have my to-do list. And so I like to see those things getting checked off. For me, mentally, if I see those things getting checked off, I feel more productive. And it makes me want to go a little bit harder. Um, when I'm just kind of winging it, I, I don't necessarily see what I'm doing. And so I always feel like I'm, I'm not working as hard and not getting things um, managed. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think one of the traps I fall into a to-do list is I just make them so long. It's like you can never, can never get that everything too. done. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it definitely helps people to check stuff off. Um, my next question is, what do you wish someone would have told you five years ago that might've been helpful for you and where you're at in your career? Oof. Adulthood is, is, is terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no um, it's, it's, it's a lot. I think I don't, you know, when you're younger, you don't have, uh, I think, I think it's not so much what they didn't tell me, what they told me and I ignored. You know, I think that adults really tell you, like, wait till you get to the real world, you know, wait till you get to the real world. And we're like, oh, whatever, you're just complaining, you know, it's your parents and stuff like that. But I think, you know, when I when I look back and think about, um, you know, a lot of the things that were told to me about, you know, you're going to have to be on time. And like, you know, you want to make sure that you you always uh, you show up and you're, you're present, you know, things like that, that I would I would kind of be like, whatever, because I'm 16 and. I got all the time in the world. Now I find myself telling everyone those same things. You need to show up. You need to be consistent. You need to apply yourself. Um, you know, you're going to be told no a lot. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to have to really go through some bumps uh, along the way. And you're going to get tested. And you got to be ready for those things. A, a lot of that stuff I've heard over and over and over. And I'm really going through it in these last three years. And, you know, now I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, I go back and tell my mom, like, my bad, <laughs> you know, I, I hear you now. So yeah, mostly like stuff that I was told that just, that I ignored. Uh-huh. Uh, next question is, is there any book or product over the last three months um, that's positively changed your life? Uh, book or product? Um, Not over the last three months. I mean, I think the book that, that got me into the fitness lane was um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. Um, I was just reading that book. I read it in high school. I reread it as an adult. And it talked about using one of your, like making your hobby or something that you're really passionate about a career. And mm -hmm. so that's one of the reasons that I, I kind of got into fitness. Once I realized that I'm like, oh, I think I'm okay at this. I think I can do really well at it. Um, I read that book and it made me like start to take those next steps of like, let's get a couple of clients and let's like do some math and figure out you know, numbers and will this work and does this make sense? Um, so that, you know, that book has kind of stuck with me forever. Um, and I've recommended it to a bunch of people who are, you know, on that cusp of like, I got this thing I really like doing, but I'm not sure if I want to take the leap. And I'll say, hey, read this and, and kind of 
see if it, if it helps you at all. Okay. To add it to the list. Um, and then is there any quote or mantra that you live your life by? Um, so my high school coach is, is simple. It doesn't, it's, it's find a way. Um, that's okay. me. I, every, every time we came into study hall, that was the one sign that was on the wall, um, find a way. And that resonates with me because I think through college, you know, through finance job, through my career now, that's the one thing I'm always doing is like, if anything happens negative, positive, like I'm always looking for that next play and just find a way to really like just move forward and keep progressing, whether, whether it's tiny or, or big jump, but just always looking to next move, next play, figure it out and, and, and kind of lean on those little successes for motivation. That's, that's funny. My uh, high school basketball coach would say the exact same thing. Find a way, find a way. Don't yeah, tell me how find a way to win. <laughs> don't tell me how rough the waters are. Get the ship to shore. Yeah, get it um, done. So yeah, that, that, that's great. Um, then my last question, signature question of the podcast, Jaw Washington. What is your favorite snack? Favorite snack. All right. So if we're not going healthy. I'm going, I go Reese's peanut butter cups all day Ooh, long. I keep okay. those in, I keep, I keep a bag of those in the fridge. If anybody's watching that comes to the studio, don't, don't, uh, don't bring this up later, but <laughs> Reese's always in the fridge. Um, and, but mostly I'm a big, I got like fruit. So I do mango and grapes. I love okay, mangoes. Nice. Been eating mangoes since I was a kid. I was introduced to them by one of my West Indian friends and mm -hmm. just never looked back. So if I could have mangoes every single day, um, and then a second, would be would be green grapes green grapes cool Jai, i really appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat with me uh where can my followers follow you or keep up to yeah me, or keep up with what you're doing yeah i appreciate it oh uh, yeah they can follow me so obviously my my personal instagram name is jah underscore h-o-l-l-a uh you can reach out for training at at there or at jtw fit and if you're interested in learning more about the kettlebell club that's coming to harlem in the next couple of months, uh, that's going to be Harlem KB Club on uh, Instagram as well. So, you know, I'll, I'll respond to all of those DMs and messages. Looking forward to seeing everybody. If you guys could, um, you know, send a follow or a like. And if you have any questions, you know, if I can help out, I definitely will respond. If I don't know the answer, I will find out and get back to you. <laughs> Awesome. Really, really appreciate it again. And I'm looking forward to seeing everything that all the great things you're going to do within the fitness industry and then how you're going to keep on progressing the world of kettlebells. No, much appreciation. I got to reach out to you and then connect to uh, talk about this CSCS. It's, it's kicking my butt over here. So. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, happy Thanksgiving and thanks for tuning in, everyone. All right. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care. Bye.